0: Eventually, Super Train episode 126, I am your main host Dan, how are y'all doing? This is a short-lived TV show, covers all sorts of different short-lived shows that never got enough love, eventually we will cover Super Train, we go three shows at a time, one episode at a time, and today we are talking Battlestar Galactica, well I'm talking with the great Mr. Christopher Bly, uh, we are talking Battlestar Galactica, and then Tim S, <coughs> Turner and myself. Are talking about Colchak, the Night Stalker, and then Kiki writes, "A.K. Kristen is back, and we are continuing our discussion of Tales of the Gold Monkey." It's going to be fun. I think you're going to enjoy this episode, everyone. Just hold on. First, we are going to outer space, and we are, like we said last time, picked a bad week to quit sniffing glue. It's the Living Legend, Part Two. Listen to this. Living Legend, Part 2, December 3rd, 1978, directed by Vince Edwards, teleplay by Glenn A. Larson, story by Glenn A. Larson and Ken Pettis, and uh, we, we continue on from where we left off in the last one, the um, Baltar and the sounds make a huge attack on the Galactica, when sort of Commander Kane and his Battlestar, uh, the Battlestar Pegasus, show up, and they uh, rout the, the bad guys away for a while, and they're still, it's still very much about trying to get the, um, the fuel that they need. So Galactica and Pegasus kind of join up to um, uh, attack the Cylons and get through and get some fuel, and uh, there's all kinds of crazy explosions, and Adama and Cain uh, don't get on so well, and we get a lot more Sheba, who will be joining us in, in the show for as a regular, and uh, Chris and I cover this in great detail, but that's the basics of The Living Legend Part 2. The Living Legend Part 2. Uh, You heard uh, Christopher and I uh, chat about um, as much as we could of this story last time. And guess who's back with us this time? It's Mr. Christopher Bly. Chris, how are you?
1: Very good. And now
0: for the exciting conclusion. All right. What did you think of the exciting conclusion? Exciting conclusion. The uh,
1: yeah, um, it had some of the same excitement. You know, we kind of kept that up, but it was also <laughs> like, as we, I think we might have mentioned this on the last episode. It was, it was split at the right time, and I think mm-hmm. it kind of carried out at the right time. It wasn't something that, as you mentioned, uh, probably wouldn't have worked as a full two-hour, you know, special thing. It's more like, you know, wait for this one because we've got more yes. coming here. If you can believe that, and it's. It was kind of like going into the ultimate ups and downs of, uh, yes, if anything, you know, both in, on both sides and then in, in uh, both cases there, but i would say together, you know, making for, I think a satisfactory part two for sure, giving us a, a, an interesting uh, continuation of commander Kane, uh, yes. but kind of, kind of, he kind of goes into Copperfield territory though, at, at a certain point. So
0: yes, yes, yes. He, um, yeah, the ending is a, uh... And we we'll, we we'll, we'll, we're going to spoil the ending probably on this because I think I think it's an interesting ending and it's actually um, uh, something I said in the last one kind of um, kind of vaguely hinted at w- what the ending of this is but yeah I think I mean I think it's a solid episode and it is very much like okay now we're attacking over here mm. now now Evander returns to the battle stars Adama yells at Kane a bit Kane does something else Sheba argues with the guys. And then Cassiopeia is there with Starbuck and and I'm trying to convince him that, you know, that I forget what she's doing. And then it goes over here and then it goes over there. And I'll be honest, at some point in the episode, I forgot why they were doing everything they were doing. (laughs) And I was just rolling with it. You know, like the the
1: interesting thing that comes up here. There's an interesting thing that comes up here, which is basically, once again, we don't have the narration. Even more so, there's no pre-credits teaser. Yet, mm-hmm. we get that teaser after the episode starts with the credits. It's like from good yes. old Lorne Green is, is going yeah. into basically the um, abbreviated version of part one. And, and, of course, leaves us off with that big, powerful reading that luckily he didn't mispronounce. And and now for the exciting <laughs> conclusion, it goes right back into where we left off, which was... Yes,
0: right, right to it. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's... Uh, it's if, if you paid enough attention in the first one, you know pretty much what they're doing in this one. Because I'll, I'll be honest, as I sat here watching it, there was uh, there's a, a great battle sequence where, like, uh, as they say, they're outnumbered three to one, and they're basically flying, the Vipers are flying at the Cylon fleet to try to clear space and such. And then the Pegasus is flying at two giant uh, Cylon base ships. And as all that was happening, I just kept thinking... I don't remember why they're doing this, but boy, it's fun to watch.
1: They're
0: they're really they're really there are a couple shots where, I mean, it's not it's not like um, like uh like the the amount of things moving on screen like say they did Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. but like Star Wars style, you know, it, there, there there's like one shot where you see like the Battle Star and I think like two Vipers in the foreground and then like five or six Cylon ships flying towards them. I mean, they there's a lot of stuff. Going on in these space battles, and it was it was almost like, because um, this is technically because there there are, are t- twenty one episodes that aired, and this is the eleventh, so technically we're at our halfway point, yes. kind of here. So it's almost like Glenn A. Larson kind of saying, "Okay, can we stop doing the westerns and and you know uh, combat, you know on on small planets and things in the in the back lot? Let's so get back get to, to space. space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to space little because they were. I mean, this one." I don't I, I almost I almost want to say that if this and I don't think they well they used to do this with the Rockford Files, if they'd done like a ninety minute episode, and you know the episode had been maybe seventy minutes instead mm. of like ninety or so, I
1: little, think this yeah. would have
0: been really great. I think there's just a bit you you know, I didn't quite see it in the first one, but in the second one there is a bit too much of battle, argument, baltar, this that this but, 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 and then there's a sequence where like four or five of them go down onto the Gamorre and they're kind of doing a Star Warsy kind of thing, run through halls, and that was fun. Yeah, but it didn't make you forget how much more fun it was in Star Wars. Well,
1: also too, the other thing is you forgot about rinse and repeat, kind of in that kind of uh, mix. Yes,
0: up. yes, it's it's sort of it's sort of a um, uh, it's it's almost like um, it's it's funny. I recently rewatched uh, one of my favorite early '70s proto slashers, *Carnival of Blood*.
1: Aha, uh-huh.
0: a film I adore, and I and I saw on my 40th birthday. I saw it on the big screen nice. at the Alamo Draft House in Austin.
1: Was it on 35? And
0: yes. Mm. Yes. It was it was a beat up. Print. I think it was the print that they just put on the Blu Ray recently. Um, but it was it was like the only 35 millimeter print in existence. Um, but the thing with at Carnival Blood is very much a you see some people at the carnival, they go to the booth to try to pop the balloons, and the killer is somewhere around there. They go to the gypsy woman who tells their fortune. They wander away from the gypsy woman, and the and someone is killed. And they just that's the whole movie. They do that like four times and they intersperse the lead couple in there but it's it's literally it's like a re- and I'm, that was like one of the first reviews i ever had published in a, in a in a fanzine magazine called critical condition back in the mid 90s mm. i reviewed carnival of blood and i described it as a s- cycle movie and i may have even said rinse and repeat it does the same thing four <laughs> times and then it ends
1: and then and you this, know seeing that it was critical condition i think we had to involve richard pryor somewhere in there so
0: that, he was probably in there he was probably in there yeah but uh, but that's really really how this is when you sort of um, when you get like uh, what am I looking at here now after the after the battle that begins the episode where they stop Baltar and it's it's funny to see like Baltar the the moment where um, the the other sounds are like you know or, or Lucifer's like why is he doing this crazy king doing this crazy stuff and Baltar just slowly moves up to the camera and is like I know what he's after he's after me! So it's like, Cain is really after Malta, which is fun. Um, but there is, like, after that big battle at the beginning, then we get another discussion between Kane and Adama about why he shouldn't, Kane shouldn't really be going that crazy. Strategy, you know, Captain, strategy. And, and, it just, and it just, so it really does have a feeling of that. And, um, whether or not you love this episode probably, might depend on how closely you watch it to the first one because I watched them a day apart and I, this, the rhythm being the same, I was like, this is the same sort of rhythm as the fir- first one oh wow, this is going on maybe a little okay. too long um, but I think if I would watched it a week apart I would have probably been so excited by the space battles and things mm. that I may not have even noticed it
1: yeah, I gave it a little bit of an intermission. I actually saw it on the same mm. day, you know. Because okay, okay, let me give it like fifteen minutes, and then All right. it, it flowed in there pretty good, you know. I'd say, and just remember with support troops like this, who needs Cylons?
0: Yes. What else on this one? Because I well,
1: this is one I, of those I, cases where you know the, the ladies are kind of battling a little bit here of like you know, no, yes. well, you should stay here, no, you stay here. They end up both going, so basically we yes. have the leads. So stakes are made, you know, the, the stakes have been raised because we're bringing them in there. You, you kind of had that feeling. At least I did. Of, I didn't know if we were going to lose one of them or gain one of them or what have you. I mean, it's like it was one of those cases where is is this going to be the point where we have the the departure of Lorette Spang in here, you know, at some point? And um, thankfully, spoiler, uh, we don't, thankfully. And here's the other thing it's like they have a a point where they're they're having this huge meeting on the Cylon Capitol. And guess Mm -hmm. what? We get a return of at least. In form of some kind, uh, Empirist leader. Yes, and we've got. Yes, we and here's the thing: is that we're seeing him in the daytime. We don't see him in the dark time. Mm-hmm. But it's still, we never see this dude from the front. No, we always see him from just... the side. We see. I guess they had to have somebody propping in with the uh, the hood there and kind of moving it there and moving <laughs> yes. back. And we only see him from the back when he's uh, when he's got the Patrick Mcnee voice on there. We never it, see this guy from the front, you know. It's...
0: And he he's doing kind of a fun like uh, they're standing in front of a crowd. Like uh, like uh, and they're cheering him on and things like that. It remind it actually reminded me of um uh, the movie Star Odyssey, <laughs> which I which is my favorite Star Wars ripoff, alongside Star Crash, but Star Crash mm. is colorful, um, fun. Uh, Star
1: of, Odyssey, of course in, in Marjo in Marjo we trust. Yes.
0: Yes. And and but Star Odyssey is a bit more um leadenly paced mm. and odd. I I absolutely adore it, but there's a but there's a sequence in it where they're having like an auction and they're auctioning off planets, and you see kind of all these semi half-assed looking aliens, like a lady with a blue face, oh a guy with a giant pink wig, and then the guy with you the pink Cooper
1: mask as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's like uh, it's this, these, uh, and that that's kind of what this reminded me of. It, it reminded it almost it almost looked like um. It almost looked like the first, like, uh, Battlestar Galactica, like, fan convention. <laughs> or some like, Galacticon. You know, it's, it's like, yeah, and the guy who who runs it dresses as the Imperious Leader, and he stands in front of everyone doing the cosplay. Break, step forward, my Cylon children.
1: Complete purple. All right, Rob. Out, Yes. <laughs> or maybe they put the darkness in there, they're like, oh, we don't want to shoot him too far, so we elevate him, kind of like we did in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. you know? But uh, I'll tell st- you. St- yeah, I'm sorry. So getting back to this, uh, now they, they basically have a two kind of two, two two way battle that they want to have. They want to have the ships ready, but they got to knock off this one thing. It's almost like trying to get the tractor beam in Star Wars, as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And they're doing a basically a space jump, and so they're having these black leather outfits with uh-huh. helmets, if you will, you know, to jump into this area to get part one of our little area to kind of like you know kaboom these things and then uh, move in and. Let's uh, strike while we've got the the time. You know, we got to listen to uh, Commander Veruca Salt's here. You know, <laughs> it's got to be now. You know, the funny is like, oh, this command center, where all at the same time there. <laughs> Lined up and ready to go kaboom with all the other creatures because <laughs> it's like yeah, that one area where you have, you know, as you mentioned from yes, that, yes. it kind of reminiscent is what you remembered of uh, you said of all these other ones that have all these different alien uh, auction. Well, the point right where, where things were about to go kaboom, you see all these other creatures that come out, and it's like, oh, we don't normally see this in uh, Galactica. Maybe this one kind of new. We really haven't been introduced, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> it's basically uh, the uh, it was like the operation. Uh, like large shield that they had in uh, South Park, where it's like yes, these little ones yep, are yep. going to go kaboom uh, first. So, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's the beginning yeah. of Private Riot. You know, it's just because you are first without well, that the ship lowers. Yeah,
0: Don't expect and, to see uh, anything else. <laughs> and and there and the place where they're having the the meeting on Gamora, I know that building. Mm. I've seen that building. I, I just kept staring at it, going, ah, it's one of those buildings, like in 70s Doctor Who mm. whenever they would have be in the future they go to like someone's house <laughs> in the middle of nowhere in England that looked really weird and, Grant, and that, that was kind of thing? that was the future that was the future house like I think uh, the Colony in Space does that I think Revolution, Revelation of the Dio- So that, that was the 80s does that and um, it's just uh, it, it just you, you look at it and you go this is a futuristic house <laughs> but I'm looking at it going I know that that's yeah, it looked a little where bit.
1: It kind of reminded me a little bit of like the Shrine Auditorium in, in California, there, with, oh, where they used yeah. to have the Academy Awards. You know, yes, of, yes, because
0: because like at one point when they're all kind of coming out of there, I thought that's like I I think I've seen a show there or something. Mm. That, that looks that looks very familiar. Not not with all those wacky aliens,
1: yeah, of but, course. Well, they didn't have the limos coming in and like the. Uh, Red <laughs> carpet, you know. I, th- I think you would just kind of wait for that with all the other all the, all the others that were attending this like huge meeting in there. Mm-hmm. And remember, they're all entitled to some confusion. Starbucks yeah. thrives on it.
0: Yes, yes. Uh, let's see. Um, what else on this? Oh, the, um. Uh, of course, of course, Sheba is going to be staying with us now. Mm. That's, Which that's is nice.
1: Our our, yeah, our new like hang on next hang on character once again yeah bring Anne Lockhart into the regulars here
0: yes bring her yes, into the bunch yeah, so now
1: we got three lovely well actually four if you count the gal that's always uh, kind of uh, given the messages from the
0: galactic oh yes the yeah yeah
1: so now yeah, we've got four yeah. isn't this nice we've got like the uh, yeah. four corners here you know and it's uh, now, now we've got the wrestling rig you know that's the turnbuckles have been yes. uh, pretty much uh, spoken for in that case.
0: Yeah, and uh, Ann Lockhart was she played the character in BJ and the Bear of Pogo Lil. Mm, yes. And Pogo Lil was a she was a truck driver and uh, she gets in shenanigans with uh, with with BJ and the gang in the, early on the second season and then she reappears later on in the second season somehow her character is inherited like a gold mine. Yeah, and they're, they're a bunch of jerks trying to take it from her.
1: <laughs> it's but, almost kind of yeah. like you know. I think she didn't she do some something similar on Buck Rogers at one point there where I don't, oh yeah she was she definitely was, on and she was another one that kind of reappeared or was like mistaken for another character. Was it?
0: One, was it one, I think I think if I remember correctly, the Buck Rogers she was like, um, she looks like Buck's love. Yeah. From before he left. So
1: somehow in the Larson verse, she is somebody who's clearly got stamped on her mistaken identity you know
0: yes yeah exactly yeah that, i'm trying to remember. yeah that that was that and there's like it's something like buck is at a, like a carnival or something and he sees her
1: and starts chasing said, what? her. chasing her yeah. and then it's kind of like leading to a trap for like for them to capture buck in some way yes. you know, it's like
0: yeah, this big yeah. trap
1: that he can't walk 100 uh, uh, percent lightly out of you know
0: and and you, you I, I'm just, I just, I have it playing right now, and all the the Imperius leader and all the people are standing outside the building, <laughs> and I uh, just, uh, <laughs> all they
1: need is a just, flashlight. On Imperius leader, we just don't know what I, this guy's face looks like. You know, he's got to be a snake. Come on.
0: Yes, and you got to feel bad because you know there are some guys there. It's like their first time, mm-hmm. or maybe they're thinking of becoming part of the Cylon Empire. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't think so. After this, yeah, they they don't, they don't get
1: don't like know. like the knock test, you know. Where they knock onto it. If it echoes, it's metal. It yes. is a Cylon, you know. If it's not, you know, just you know, down the garbage chute. So yeah,
0: and they they have they have quite a few of um, uh, sort of robots that are just like um, uh, they they look like 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 android faces or something, but without like the face on yeah, it. Yeah, it's it, well, it, like almost, like Mister Ring and the Night Stalker. Border, borderline black hole territory we're talking here. Yeah, it's, there's some weird. Like, I know this building. They're running. I know this building. Sorry, it's going to drive me nuts. Uh-huh. I, I know I've been here. Yeah, it's somewhere. Somewhere, obviously, somewhere in L.A.
1: Yeah, and but, both um, of these things we refer to light speed on there, this, and this one we we hear sublight speed seems to oh. be like the escape route that are uh, com-
0: uh-huh.
1: fond Commander Kane, who you can't get the battle out of no matter no matter yes. what. You never get it's like all right, it's going to be a battle here somewhere. Where is it? You know, <laughs> yes. and then it gets to the point where it's like ah, oh, somebody's going to get me in between those ships. You know, and it gets to that. Big, <laughs> finale where you see the two, and he's going, like, I'm going to get through, yeah, I'm going to get thing. through, and then, and then the the, uh, the fighters come on there because they figure, oh, they're not going to expect us, you know, they're going to be trying to go, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, they're escaping over to the uh, the other planet, oh, and another one, wait a minute, aim for, aim for where the missiles are. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Kane launches his own missiles from the Pegasus. We didn't know that this ship could actually fire anything. Nuclear
0: missiles, they said, nuclear I think, missiles. didn't they? Nuclear, wh- nuclear vessels what, Nuclear, nuclear but, whistles. Yes. Yeah.
1: Nuclear <laughs> whistles, yes. And uh, But here's the thing is that I look at that, and it's almost like a side view NASA launch off. You know, when you look mm. at these things, you know, when the, the missiles. Yeah, it's, yep, like, it's, yep. like, it's like we're taking the space shuttle, but we're putting it, like, at another angle. But, like, from under... Uh-huh onto so it's it's also basically got the slow thing going there so you know who knows if this was worthy in the matrix world or the going from iron man uh jeff bridges ironically jeff bridges you
0: know oh, iron Man. yeah 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 the yeah, the slow yeah. well
1: guess what yes He's doing the same thing too guess what like fall of like sun yes,
0: as the future yeah.
1: will always tell us
0: <laughs> and i i do well we'll 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 ruin the ending i mean it's it's not it's,
1: That's why, guys, it's when you see this up there, you got to watch the episode. So yes. if you haven't watched the episode, stop at the beginning of this and go yes. right back if you've heard it this far.
0: Yes, because what happens is, uh, yeah, Kane blows up the two star bases, but in all the rubble and explosion and everything, they can't find the Pegasus. Sublight speed. speed. Yeah, and they don't, yeah, they don't know if it, it blew up or it just went. And I like the fact that, like, Kane was wandering with all his people. He found this other galactic, and he was like, all right, we're going to have some fun. Gosh, they're stuffy. Let's F out of here. And (laughs) that's exactly what they do. It's like, we're going to fly through the star bases, and then when everything explodes, we're going to go very, very fast. I don't
1: see any debris that happens to say Pegasus on it. So, obviously, they kind of leave it open. Of maybe we want to get Commander Kane to return at some point. He might come
0: back. I mean, he's... He'd certainly be a great uh, asset. I mean, they, they could actually, if, if he were to return an episode, they could actually do the uh, cliffhanger of episode one again. Yeah. Where, like, it looks like the Galactic is about to be destroyed, and then all of a sudden it's like, is that? The Pegasus is back! Hooray! The <laughs> Living you, Legend. And, uh, no, you and, did it wrong again. Yeah, the,
1: yeah, the, living, yeah, the living Legend decided to uh, escape the uh, the loony bit and decided to go into a renegade yes. ship's... It also says, it's Pegasus too, you know, it's like something like that. You
0: know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, I love Lloyd Bridges, and then the Commander Kane character is interesting, but there is a bit, it is over two hours, it is slightly overdone with the, I'm going to do what I want to do, if you don't let me do what I want to do, I'm going to sabotage something. So I get to do what I want to do, and then every time I talk, it's going to be about what I destroy next, or what battle we do next. What's all missing
1: from You're... this is Lloyd Bridges singing, I gotta be me, I wanna be me. Dude. Yes,
0: yes. You need and me I, on I, I that mean, wall, that... damn it. Hey, yeah, I mean, he's got the, uh... I mean, it's it's funny because I guess he is a living legend, but he's so hilariously selfish mm. that it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you and what, what, how many, they say the bare minimum. On there, so it's like a battle star with like I don't know how many people need, are needed to run a battle star 40? something like that. You know, this is another battle star filled with people and 600, 600 ships. And it was I, I mentioned I mentioned this in the last one, but I like the concept that the people at the end of the fleet, the last ship, is so far back that it can't see what's happening at the front, so it never knows what's going on. As far as they know, everything is going smooth. Mm. And it's almost like when they get... Whenever they hear anything from the Galactica, like I imagine like a screen lights up. And it's like, oh, Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> and then Adama comes on and tells them what's happening, and then they turn it off. Like, I like that show. Maybe not even realizing <laughs> what's going on or where they are. They're so far but I wonder how, how far that stretches, mm. the fleet. Must be miles and miles, right? Well, they said like six, if
1: it, if, ships. If it goes further enough, it might bump into the visitors, you know. So, oh yeah,
0: <laughs> true, true. Uh, so, uh, what what else do you have on this one? Well, I think it's nice. It's nice that Sheba's going to be joining us. Yeah,
1: oh, pleasant, pleasant uh, uh, addition yes. to the bunch. And um, yes. not only that, but also I think on the end narration, I think it's the first time we ever heard "Fleeing from the Cylon Tyranny" on that one. Okay. Uh, by good old Lawn Green. Sure. To go yeah. to that place called Earth.
0: Earth. Yes. <laughs> so I I, I like that Glenn A. Larson came back and did this two-parter, because I, I, I did feel occasionally like we were wandering um, wandering a bit. Mm. This is like, like like most Glenn A. Larson scripts. This isn't, yeah, but it's, hey, I enjoyed it.
1: It's swell, it was, dang it. It's it was swell. It was swell, you know.
0: It was fun. I mean. You know, there's a reason why. You know, maybe George Lucas was doing Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, and Glennie Larson was doing this and Bj and the Bear.
1: Yeah, and, he and he has Nightmare. to and he has to up it up a little bit. You know, it's like yeah, it's like yeah. we have a bear, and then they have sort of a polar bear and Empire Strikes yes. Back. There's somewhere the bear necessities of this bear land that we have to basically show in that face <laughs> there. And just gotta remember, coming up next on this one. Are there enough extinguishers to put out the fire in yeah, space? In space. Is Galactica doomed? Will Muffy escape uh, the fires? Tune in I to like the that. next on that one. And for, oh, for those of you who are watching, this is the end of Blu-ray 3. And as Daniel pointed yes. out, we're halfway there living on a prayer.
0: Yes, and, and technically, if you if you do go online or watch this somewhere, it's going to have 24 episodes, but they're splitting up the three-hour pilot and the two-hour episode that comes later. So technically, they're, they're in this Galactica chat, in this world I call Avenged Super Train, we got 21 chats. This was number 11. And that was me closing the, the uh, Blu-ray box there, Blu-ray case. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> do you have anything else?
1: I think oh. that's about it. I said yeah, that's that's our part two for uh, living yeah. on the legend.
0: Living, le- living on the yeah, legend. <laughs> legend. Uh, so, uh, so uh, where, 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 where can we beep, 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 where can we find you online?
1: Beep, 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 uh, we can beep. find me on uh slash uh, Captain Bly, and you can find me on Instagram. Twitter and Letterboxd is CaptainBly76. We are continuing First View 2022. We're going into 31 days of no Oscar. We focus on a couple of directors that have never won an Academy Award. It might have been up, but just never had the opportunity, along with other gems and who knows if there's any junk that's along with that or any zonks. So <laughs> that's all for you to enjoy uh, on First View 2022. Look at your Instagram stories. Look at your Twitter. Look at your letterbox. Go onto the list. First View 2022 on Captain CaptainBly76.
0: Excellent. As, as always, thank you. We're halfway through uh, the journey here. Well, next time, we're going to be on fire. Listen to this. Murders. Episode 18 of Kolchak, directed by Vincent McAviti, story by Paul Magistretti, teleplayed by Michael Cazzoli and David Chase. This aired March 7th, 1975. On this one, a uh, something in a suit of armor is killing a bunch of people who are threatening to destroy its home uh, in a museum. And Kolchak has to stop whatever it is before everybody dies Tim, Steve Turner uh, is on the other side with myself and we are chatting all over The Nightly Murders, listen to a blast of this and then we'll go The Nightly Murders, episode 18 of Kolchak, we are getting near the end here folks and this one is about a killer knight in shining armor and speaking of knights in shining armor Tim, Steve Turner is here with us, Tim how are you?
2: Forsooth uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, See, see what I tell you, night in shining armor, right? So So t- uh, Tim uh, let me just ask um, question one, how are you? Question two, what did you think of this episode?
2: Uh, well, first, uh, doing doing really well. Uh, second, I really enjoyed this episode and not so much because of the story itself, but more because of two of the guest stars on it. Oh. Who I I absolutely loved, and I thought their their stuff was so wonderful that it actually kind of outweighs the, the story. Mm-hmm. But I did enjoy the episode. Yeah.
0: Okay, that's uh, so we're gonna ask you who those two guest stars in a moment. But first, a commercial break. No, I'm kidding. Um, first, <laughs> um, yeah, I um I, I quite like this episode too. I I like I like the concept of the the night, the ghost night. It does, it does, I'll be honest, whenever the night, when I see the night, there are a few moments when I think Scooby-Doo.
2: Oh, I f- yeah, absolutely. Yes. I, I
0: feel like we're in a Scooby-Doo
2: episode. 100%.
0: <laughs> but, there, but there is enough great stuff um, uh, with the weapons and, and the guest actors and possibly my favorite so far in the series Scene with Vincenzo and and Kolchak at the end yeah. of the episode, and I love Roush. Is it Roush? The um, he's yes, he, yes, he's so good, the and captain, and there's yeah. there's just a lot of it's 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 a fun episode because again it's 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 like we've said before when you get when you know you 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 get past your main sort of big Universal monster kind of thing, you have to look elsewhere, and this one I just love the concept behind it that it's about. Um, you know, this knight who who uh, manifests itself back in his armor and kills people who are who want to make his home into a discotheque. Yeah. Yes. one interesting about oh, this episode
2: mm-hmm. in, in a lot of ways it's very much the proto slasher
0: It yes yes oh especially the scene with the woman where where he goes after her and uh, and he knocks Carl over and goes through the door with the axe yeah yeah
2: yeah it it, it's uh, a different weapon every time it's an Hmm.
0: axe it it, it's a um, a mace yes some kind of huge bullet bolt bolt yeah
2: you know um, so in that regard and actually this might be one of the more violent episodes uh the the murder of uh Minerva Musso, which is a great name was great uh the murder of her in the bathroom with the axe is
0: really startlingly yeah yes like it's startlingly
2: violent, yeah. violent with him hacking through the door and then just like you see the axe coming at her face and they you know cut to the, the shot of the, the knight's face covering the the mm-hmm. screen and they go to black you know um mm-hmm. And I, yeah, it's it's a good episode. But to to tell you about like, okay, who I really liked. First of all, you mentioned Captain Roush. Yes. Now I have always been a huge fan of John Daner. Yes. I love him as an actor, and uh, he was. This is an example of a guy who had been around for a long time. Yeah. Because he was so great uh, uh, on radio. He was the radio paladin on Have Gun Will Travel. Oh yes. Yes, 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 yeah, and also he did another series called Frontier Gentlemen, mm-hmm. uh, both westerns. Interestingly enough, uh, but um, he, he's his character for the first time. We've got a police captain that's go that is willing to work with Carl. Yes, and is very welcoming to Carl. Unfortunately for Carl, we find out that he. He really doesn't know what he's doing, and he's just kind of like a big windbag. Yeah, who goes on and on
0: <laughs> on soliloquies? He's coasting. so... Yeah. <laughs> yes,
2: and, and you know, and at one point, like Carl pulls out the recorder to record it, and the guy gra- he grabs the recorder. And he's like. Uh, go back to the beginning. Yeah, well, go back. You that, know, Chicago. Yes, yeah, that's great because yeah, place of soul. I, like. I
0: love that because that that reminds <laughs> me of like what I used to do transcription of reality shows. You know, when when they ask a question like, uh, "What did you think of what um, uh, uh, Jennifer did on stage today?" Oh, I thought it was great. No, no, no. You, you don't don't say it like, that. "Oh, okay, sorry." I think what Jennifer did on stage today was great, I and mean, that's what Carl's doing. He's he's like the the the, the Roush is like. Uh, in Chicago, there's all this kind of this, that, and the other going on. Oh, I'll, I'll record this. Oh, okay. There's all sorts of – no, no, start with in Chicago. You know, you yeah. gotta, you got to – the people listening aren't going to are, – they're not going to hear me. They're not going to hear my question. But I like that. <laughs>
2: but the best part of it is, though, in true colshack style, by the end of the episode, Roush is virtually strangling him. yes. It has him by the collar, and
0: he's like, oh, you, you tested me and pushed my patience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's great, too, because this is, like, one of the times where it's, like, when, when he's going after Carl, you're like, you can't be going after Carl for this. Are you, are you serious? <laughs> like, he, he was, you found a woman dead, someone with an axe chopped through everything, and Carl's unconscious under, like, a huge dresser. Yeah. You, really? You, you thought he like he, he he tore all this up and then hid the axe and put himself under a dresser. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so it's fun like you said Carl even says this at the end. He says, "You're just you're just coasting. You're just you're not yeah. interested in any of this anymore." And I like it because he's right. He's not interested and I I'd love it if this character would have appeared later yes. and maybe Carl could have sparked him again. There yeah, been... I would
2: have loved to have seen him. I, well, both him and Keenan Wynn, I would have loved to have seen more.
0: Oh yes, yeah, yeah, and just just something that would have maybe like, I would I, I would love to see either of them like like we said before with like I, we, we need to see a Vincenzo episode where he gets involved in the supernatural thing. I'd love to see an episode where either Raul or Keenan Wynn's character like sees what Carl sees. And maybe if 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 he can't say like, well, Carl, I can't tell my boss I saw this. He can acknowledge that, Carl, we saw this. So there's something else going on. There's something beyond the regular. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. but um, oh, yeah. So like the other guy, other actor, I I, I love Hans Conried. Yay! I mean, this guy, he was he was my childhood with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yes. And I mean, you know, of course, he was. Uh, on Make Room for Daddy for Forever, right? His Uncle Tanoose and all oh. that. But um, his Uncle voice – Uncle there. Uh, there's rarely been an actor with a voice as wonderful a, as his. Yes. And he was so good at playing indignant snobs, <laughs> yes. which he does really well here. It, it, and it, yeah. he has the wonderful name of Mendel Boggs. <laughs>
0: and he looked like Mendel Boggs he doesn't like Mendel Boggs, yes and <laughs> he's I, I love I lo- he's so great in this I mean i over the past year year and a half I have he he is one of the main contestants on Ernie Kovacs's game show take a good look yeah and he is just so much fun on that he's always calling out ernie because ernie does these the the visual clues he gives everyone make no sense. And he's constantly calling out Ernie on that. He's so much fun on the show. <laughs> it's like him, Edie Adams, and Caesar Romero with the three main. Oh uh, wow! Get, so that's like that's a fun, uh, group there, and it's just uh, he's so good. He's so much funness, and and it has it has this one um, th- this scene where um, what what's her name? What's it, what's the decorator's name? I forget her.
2: Uh, I, Minerva Muso.
0: There, there's a scene where like she's in because they're turning the museum into a discotheque and a bar.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. And, and she's like moving stuff around and it's great. She's so belligerent towards him. Now I know he's kind of a jerk, but it's a museum filled with like four five hundred year old stuff. Don't don't throw it around like it's it's a bunch of doilies on my coffee table. Oh yeah, treat she's, she's, she's terrible. She she's she's terrible and and he's he's and it's just, yeah. Yeah, there, there's just there's just it's it's funny. I I love, it and it's funny because the thing I love about her is she's talking about style, she's talking about fashion. Then that first scene when you see her leaving and you see like the outfit she's wearing. Oh, dear god. You yeah. think, "Oh my god, someone threw up on you and you wore it." Yeah, and, a complete with the giant floppy sun hat. And the sun hat, just like, she's wearing like this, This I don't know, it's like a, I don't even know what it is. It's like a pantsuit kind of thing, I was right? going to say pantsuit, but I didn't quite know if that was right. But it's like a pantsuit, but that's a, it's like white, but it's covered with like green flowers or something like that. And you yes. look, look at it and think, you're the worst. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> you are terrible. That is terrible. And I can't believe you're picking on my friend Hans, Hans Conried like
2: that <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know I, I, I really wish it, that some imp- impressionist would do an impression of him I you know I like to try and do impressions and voices and stuff and I just I can't grasp his, his voice it's this nasally uh, yes I don't know how to explain it but it's so great and uh, it, it's perfect for animation which is why he did so much yes. of it yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, he he was wonderful. Um, the uh, I, I I don't know how to pronounce her name. It, it, who plays Minerva Musa? Is it Lou Dressler?
0: I I'll go for that. I've never said her it's name. L-I- I've never said her name out loud in mixed company. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, she actually has an amazing scene with Carl. Carl shows up. Yes. In, and I don't remember how it is that like they end up with she's in her bedroom. It's weird. He comes in there. And she's on the phone, and she and she looks at him, and she goes, robbery or rape? Oh, yeah. And I, I – what? I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah. I, I literally – I rewound it because I was like, what the hell just – did she say what I think she yes. said? And she's talking to someone on the phone, and she's like, yeah, that's some guys in here. I don't know what it's about, but, I mean, I want to know if it's going to be fun or not. And I'm like, what?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, all I, I, I don't know if I'm, I I should be offended or just think the 70s were another time. Yeah. The 70s exactly. were on another astral plane right and, and
2: there. Carl looks confused, so. Yeah,
0: Carl, yeah, I love, I love it because Carl is sincerely in there just to do his job. And when he's being asked those are the two R's remember I used to go to school we used to do the two R's robbery and rape and oh. arithmetic oh I guess it was the three R's <laughs> uh, but it, it was yeah it was, it was just I love how Carl's like what are you talking about <laughs> I'm just trying... <laughs> and
2: then she's let down and she finds out he's a reporter yes yep
0: yep as
2: if reporters can't be
0: sexy yeah yeah um <laughs> what did no, what um uh, now I didn't look up did you did you happen to look up the the guy who who his phone is crushed right did you look up his name do did I didn't look up his name
2: uh yeah isn't that uh the character's name i think is uh Lester
0: Nash i think so i it's, think he's like the business partner right he he is the, yeah he's the one who owns um, isn't he the one when Carl goes in and says, "Yeah, I'm here to see him." Uh, he he didn't he send everyone like soda every year? Isn't that him? Yeah, he was like a soda magnet. Okay, Because yeah. because uh, the thing is, I meant to look up that actor's name, and what I failed to do was look up that actor's name. <laughs> uh, so I am, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you talk for a minute, Tim, while I just about things you love. Whatever you want to talk about. just I just want to look up his name real quick.
2: Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, Summer in the Hamptons.
0: <laughs> oh, or feel free to talk about the episode. What else did you like about it? <laughs> oh, the episode. Oh, oh well. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> uh, first of all, yeah, that, that, scene, that scene is bizarre. And that's when she gets killed with the uh, the axe. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, the 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 uh, the guy who gets killed with the the mace in his bed, and he keeps calling for his butler, mm-hmm. and and all of a sudden here comes the Black Knight, uh, stomping into the room, and he steps on the phone and crushes the phone. As we find out later, these phones are it would take like four hundred twenty five pounds of pressure to crush the phone. Mm-hmm. Why is
0: the phone on the floor? I I. <sighs> Well, it's funny. You see a guy like that, and you think he's that guy's probably pretty uptight. But I, I like to think that maybe, maybe he liked to have fun. You know, maybe he like he got his PJs and sat on the floor chatting with his friends. You know, and they played they played mystery date or something like that. Yeah, I don't he's,
2: know. He, he was laying there like on his stomach with his his back legs crossed. You know, like, oh, who's the mystery date? Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
0: well, I, I'm I'm i I'm convinced. I'm convinced. Sure. <laughs> uh so I'm having a tough time finding out who he was cuz he looked like someone I recognized from he, he
2: had kind of like a sour face.
0: Yes, like I'm gonna he have... was like like prissy pissy. Yes. Angry. I... <laughs> Jeez, I meant to look him my... So here's what I'm going to do folks uh next time next time around I will um I will find out uh, who he was, and if he's the person I think he was, I'm not going to say it now because if I get it wrong, then I'm just going to sound like a dope. So, uh, so I'll just I'll just leave it hanging there. Was this character someone I recognized or not? Tune in next time. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and, and um, uh, what what else about this one? I do like the scene where he goes to meet the guy in the shop who wants to tell him his biography. Oh, in the coat of arms. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. That that's um. A lot, of, a lot of fun. Lot yeah, of fun well, time. the I mean, coat I'm... of
2: arms thing is hilarious because it, it's clear that they're hucksters. Yes. You know, because, like, you see – Kolchak. Like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah. Yes. It's a, it's a, a family – a royal family name. And, yes. And uh, you see the, the wife is around the corner, and she's got a coat of arms that says, like, Johnson or something. Mm. And she's cutting Johnson off the bottom <laughs> of it so she can just say it's a Kolchak, you know, uh, <laughs> coat the of Kulchak, arms. Yeah, and, and that that's that's a that's a great scene. Um, yeah. I, I I liked when he he went to that one dude. Uh, I guess he he runs like a pawn shop.
0: Oh yes, yes, his yeah. Pop. Yes, I recognized that actor, and I was like, Well, oh. I did too, and so I had
2: to look him up. And it's like it's Shug Fisher from a, 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 the giant
0: Gila monster. Oh, of course, yeah. The um uh yeah, booze. He loves his drink. He loves his booze. Yeah, he's the drunk yeah. in that.
2: Yeah, and I was like, "Wow, I, twenty years after, like, he looks pretty much the supreme. same." Much I mean, the
0: same, yeah, uh, yeah. B- oh, booze has knighted me king of the lovers. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> that was oh, yeah. Wow. That, that was a, he had a, he had a, a fun little scene where he's trying to you know he, instead of, he didn't want money from Carl to bribe him. He wanted Carl to listen to uh, his his biography.
0: Oh yes, that's right. Yep, yep, yep. yep yeah, yeah. I like that scene. There's a lot. There's a lot of great, great bits and bobs. There's a character named uh, who who, uh, Roush keeps when they're when they're in the museum. He keeps saying Buck'sbaum, come over here. I think that's a fun name. He says it like three times. Buck'sbaum, do Buck'sbaum. I thought who I I want to say like David Chase maybe heard that name (laughs) somewhere and just thought I want to put that in a name. That's a fun name. Buck'sbaum.
2: <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's uh, a Greg Palmer who was like a, oh, uh, yeah. a, a, a character actor that did a lot of lot of TV westerns. Mm. You know, yeah, made, I, know I think name, that's yeah. most of his career were were westerns, like you know, like uh, Tales of Wells Fargo, Twenty Six oh, Man, yes. yeah. all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's um. Let me let me. I'm just uh, there's a lot. There's I I, I like the um, well. Here's what I'm going to talk about. Here's what I'm going to talk about. I'm jumping all around in my head here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause and say I think the scene with Vincenzo and Carl in the office is one of my favorite scenes because it starts off, I think it starts off with the phone guy there. Because mm-hmm. Carl's trying to figure out who could yes. crush the phone. I, I love right. that moment where Carl holds up this phone. It's been crushed, and oh yeah, he may have done that to stop the killer from using the phone. But then the killer has two. Uh, but then the guy had like, two other phones. And it's Carl realizing that someone stepped on the phone, and he has to figure out how much weight. Um, uh, is necessary to crush a phone. So he calls yeah. the phone guy there, but then the phone guy kind of gets mad at Carl and takes away some of their phones, and Vincenzo and Carl, with Updike in the background, have a really great chat um, where <laughs> where Carl is explaining what's going on. There's a 13th century knight who worshipped the devil, who couldn't yeah. be killed, but the but another knight had the Pope an axe yes. that killed the knight but the knight's spirit still exists and he doesn't want to be bothered by music or noise but they're going to turn the museum his spirit is in and his knightly his, 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 his suit of armor is in, into a discotheque so he's killing off all the people who are trying to make the discotheque and as Vincenzo is listening, he's saying stuff like, you know, I had a sister who suffered a nervous breakdown, Carl. Yes. And, <laughs> and there's and my absolute favorite moment at the end of it where he says, and I have to stop. I have to find a way to stop. I, something like I have to get the ax that the Pope blessed in the 13th century to kill the <laughs> suit of armor that has the ghost of this um, this this knight in it. And And Vincenzo looks at him and says, Carl, Carl what is happening in your life? <laughs> Which made me fall on the floor. <laughs> it's such a good. It's line. such... A, the way he says it, it's such a good line. And it's sort of the, the moment, like in the previous episode, they saw Carl running around in this hotel where they were supposed to be doing one thing where Carl was clearly doing another. And they kind of ignored it. But in this one, just the moment when he's like, oh, my sister had this breakdown, Carl. Maybe it's... And just the that line the same signs just yeah just that just that line (laughs) what is happening in your life is so hysterical (laughs) and it's it's so and it's so funny to think too that is carl even like with night stalker night in the early episodes you felt like carl was putting in these stories and they were rejecting them is carl even putting in these stories anymore (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah. is, is he just going, I mean, the nightly thing, I'm almost thinking that he's like, like, this is a spirit of a 600-year-old knight, evil Satan-worshipping knight, killing people trying to make a discotheque. What does Carl care? But Carl's there because he's trying, it's it, it's almost like, and, I, and we could probably gauge this a few episodes before, but it's almost like an episode where it's like, Carl doesn't care about the story so much as he cares about trying to stop this from happening. Yeah, and,
2: he's he's definitely uh, uh, what I would uh, I would think he's like uh, chaotic, chaotic good.
0: Yes, I mean because you think that you episode that, that episode with the um the thing in the hospital. Yeah, you and the cracks, and he goes. And that final scene doesn't make any sense. Yes, and and but because he's one hundred percent reporter. But in this one, he goes to attack the knight. He literally he, he busts a museum thing and he picks up a like an axe that he can barely pick up as the knight is rushing. Well, not rushing, but moving towards him. And yeah. he's he's just he's hitting the he's hitting. And it's like Carl, who, why are you doing this? And to me, this <laughs> this is kind of a point where I'm like, Carl suddenly is becoming a hero. Yeah, oh yeah. He's very much uh
2: the uh, Carl Kolshack is really uh, like a Don Quixote kind of mm. you know, he he's these these uh defeating these, these are, monsters yeah. and he's never going to ever get appreciation for it. Yes. You know. Um
0: and the, and, the and, and and but I think from from very early on, I think he he it was almost more a um and even like the succubus thing a couple episodes ago, like when he's destroying the tablet, that's yeah. not that's not something that's going to get him a, a big article. Like, hey, right. they found a three thousand year old Mesopotamian tablet, and I destroyed it to stop a succubus. <laughs> okay, yeah, thanks, Carl. It's it's funny. I I almost wonder we only have two episodes left. Oh, that's a heartbreaker. Um, we only have two episodes left but I wonder thinking now like is I, I wonder if I went back and watched it if you could see a point where he goes from being a 100 percent reporter doing his thing to get the story to like he he doesn't have to go into that break into that museum and fight this guy with this huge axe. He really yeah. doesn't and the fact that and and when the episode ends you know isn't it basically like I'm gonna have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah, yeah, pretty At, much. Yeah, and it's it's not like it's it's interesting because he's going from being the the classic t, uh movie TV reporter like a torchy blaine or something who dives into something and crazy crap happens to yeah. being more of a like I I would actually not like to see more people get killed here.
2: Yeah, and, you're seeing and, that Carl really does have because early on, I think you almost get the feeling he doesn't have a heart. You know, yes, he's one hundred percent about the story and screw everybody else.
0: Maybe that's why we're enjoying, or I'm enjoying it more as it goes along.
2: Yeah, I, I think that there, it felt like the character was evolving a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm. And he's like he's because he's still like when he's in there and the night is approaching, he's still taking pictures and things. But the moment the night comes down the steps. Yeah. he picks up that huge axe and you could see he can't it's too heavy for him to lift and he literally he he like it takes all his strength to lift it up hit the knight the axe hits the ground and he has to pause and pick up the axe again and that's not that's not just someone doing a job that's a hero hey yeah look, look out Carl Kolchak hero he would say no uh, I'm not.
2: Uh, by the way, I love the fact that you you, you brought up the fact the weight of the axe. Yeah, I, you know a lot of shows would have just had him pick it up and just swing it. Yeah. But they really show because I was thinking I was like that better be heavy. I was remember when I was watching it and I, I was saying that that damn well better be heavy because those things weigh a lot.
0: Yes, I mean and that's he picked a... it
2: up and was like, Ugh, uh, you know, and it, yeah. you know if it hit the ground and he really had to. I, you could tell he, he couldn't get a full swing off on it. He had to lift it as much as he could and put everything behind it and, to swing and, it. You yeah, know?
0: When, when he hits him the first time, you think, oh, please go down. And he doesn't. He has to do it again. Yeah, he just like can, backs
2: up a little bit. Can
0: he pick it up again? I, I actually think as so, sometimes the endings of these episodes are seem a little rushed to me. But this one I think is pretty solid. Yeah. Because um, the knight slowly comes down the steps. And he gets the axe and he hits it and then he hits it again, and he he saves the day and the axe drops to the ground and it's empty and and you you think at that moment it's like well how are you going to explain this Carl, I mean <laughs> you, you you broke the display with this big axe and there's a there's a there's a priceless suit of armor on the floor that you've hit with that big axe yeah and there's nothing there, well because uh, you uh, saved the day.
2: Yeah, and get the – here's the thing I thought was interesting, though, and it's a great point, is Tony says to him, basically it's like, yeah, okay, so there's a guy in a, a suit of armor going around killing people. What makes you think there's something supernatural about it? Mm, yeah. And that's a good point because we don't find out until the end when the suit of armor falls to the ground and, like, the head falls off.
0: Yes. It's almost – it's Scooby-Doo. there. Yeah, it's Scooby-Doo up until that moment. Yeah.
2: yeah. And so to that point, it could have just been some guy. It could, well, okay, it could have been, you know, Mendel Boggs getting revenge. Uh, yeah. You know, like, you know, oh, I would have gotten away with it went for those meddling kids. Yes, you know, exactly, yeah. Shaking the fist moment. Um, you know, but it actually was a good point. I mean, to that point, there's really no supernatural, no proof of anything supernatural at all.
0: Yes, yeah, yeah.
2: But Carl yeah, yeah. immediately leaps to, it's a ghost. Yeah. Which, of course, I guess you could say, after after everything he's seen, maybe that makes sense for him, I guess.
0: True. Uh, yeah, uh, like 19 Supernaturals in, or 18, or uh, counting the movies. Yeah. I, I, I just actually had the scene playing right here, and I, I love the moment where when <laughs> he breaks the glass case with the axe, the knight backs up. Yeah, like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he actually – what happens is he hits the knight once – the knight falls backwards, yeah, and starts to to waver. And he tries to lift the axe again, but it hits the ground. Yeah, and the axe fall the the knight falls onto the axe.
2: Yeah, he kind of impales himself on the yes, axe. Yes,
0: yes. Um, and it's um and and like Carl is, I, I forgot he's knocked down a bunch of steps. Yes, and it's like he doesn't he doesn't have an easy time of it because the the axe he's after is not right there. He has to get to it, but it's um, yeah, yeah, it's and and, and uh, yeah, it, it, I I like I like the fact that, I, I I guess the thing I've always loved about the show, and I think it's one of the things you love about it too, is that it, it is a ghost in a in an armor suit of armor.
2: Yeah, it's not a cop out.
0: It's not uh... you know, it's not it's not Clancy from the docks. You know right. who wants to take over and and you know the building or something like that. Yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's full on crazy. Yeah, it's and, not
2: like you know when you'd watch like you know like a, a East Side Kids or something, where it's like what? oh the ghost haunting the house or oh, whatever. No. Oh no, you know what it is? It's gangsters who it's are Bella... searching for a treasure.
0: Yes, exactly. Like or, or smugglers or, or yeah. Bella Lugosi. Yeah, yeah. Or Bella
2: Lugosi. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was, it's, I, I guess, I guess that's probably one of the reasons why we love the show so much, is it is it never, that the killings are killings, and the monsters are monsters.
2: Yeah, I, well, I think if you think about it, if you take anthology shows out of the mix, is it like the first real monster show, where, where they're real, Gosh, the monsters yeah. are real? Yeah, yeah. And not like someone dressed in a costume or something.
0: Yeah, I th- I would say leaving aside like sci-fi shows too and, yeah. and such, but well, yeah, horror, I mean like horror
2: horror show yeah
0: horror show. Gosh, you know, because I, I certainly can't think of anything that's not an anthology from the '60s and there. Right,
2: you you go oh Twilight Zone,
0: yeah thriller.
2: Yeah. Uh, night, thriller, gallery, your night
0: gallery night yeah, gallery, story, your, even like the the fifties, like the Whistler or something like that, you wouldn't
2: yeah, but that was more like Whistler was like more cry- uh like it, you it know was, it was with kind of a, of with
0: occasional with the occasional, but yeah i i'm yeah. I'm sorry, I'm running through the anthologies in my head, <laughs> I'm trying to <laughs> uh, I'm trying to hit if I can. yeah, no, that's, and by the way, folks, the Whistler is a great radio show, not such a great yes. t v show, I recommend the Whistler on radio. Uh, any day of the week. Yeah, and,
2: um, uh, and Mysterious Traveler, which Mysterious Traveler is very, very
0: good too. And, and 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 there are Lights Out episodes that have scared the we out of me.
2: Oh yeah, well the one called that's called the Dark.
0: The Dark, yeah. Oh my gosh.
2: As a kid, I you know that's that scared cr- the crap out of me.
0: That absolutely scared scared me silly. There's one. There's a great one called Bathysphere Yeah. Um, and there's one called I think it's Vel Vel. Vel's, oh, false Trees. Yes, that one is just – I remember hearing that and like, don't – are you going there? Are we going – oh, don't go there. Oh, it's oh. grim. It's very grim. It's, it's very,
2: graphic and grim for like graphic,
0: 1946 or whatever? Yes, yep, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and and I mean that's the thing. is like, like I, I'm pretty sure if we did a radio, uh, Tim and I could do um, – we could do um, <laughs> the a uh, uh, great uh, horror anthology have you ever heard nightfall the canadian show yes mm-hmm. oh i love nightfall oh i love nightfall nightfall's really good the 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 one with the woman in the laundromat mhm where where the the and, and she's working she works a night shift at the laundromat and then one one night a woman comes up and says what's uh, all these stains on my my towels Oh, we clean the we clean the la- the dryers out, uh, washing the dryers out every day, and it, the stains look like blood. And things get progressively more unpleasant for our laundromat employee from that point. And right. one, of my one of my all-time favorites is there's, there's one set in the middle of a blizzard where a couple are in a house in the middle of the country in the middle of nowhere, and the guy looks out his window as the blizzard is coming down, and looks down, and he says, there's a guy standing in the snow looking at me. Yeah. And it's absolutely terrifying. It's absolutely – I remember I would I would actually – well, the first time I heard that show, I would specifically listen to those in the dark in the middle of the night. And there uh. were a few that literally just that one and a couple – the, and the laundromat one, when you get to the twist at the <laughs> end of that one. And, and the one was just like, I was just because I could see the guy looking out the window and saying, there's a man looking at me. There's no, there's, and it's just like, what? And it's just like, oh, uh, so I forget why we we're talking. Oh, we were talking about anthologies. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really can't think of any horror show like this prior to this. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I really can't. I'm, I'm trying to. Th- I'm thinking of monsters. I'm thinking of everything I can. I'm letting my mind be bombarded from the '50s, '60s. Yeah,
2: no. I mean the '50s yeah. had a lot of sci-fi stuff like science fiction theater. Sure. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the closest. Well, no, even that's an anthology. I was gonna say One Step Beyond. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, that's you know, anthology. I think, and I was gonna that.
0: say the only thing I can think of when was the Sixth Sense, with Gary Collins. Uh, that
2: that, that well that that
0: was like that was more supernatural ESP.
2: Yeah, and that was the, they they kind of if you recall they kind of grafted like uh, that onto Twilight
0: Zone. Uh, Night, oh, the Night Gallery. Yeah, that's right. Night Galleries. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah, because I remember when I was a kid, and and Night Gallery wasn't on much in syndication where I lived, but whenever it was, I I always seemed to see an episode of something with Gary Collins who hosted some afternoon show.
2: Uh, well, he was also... Uh, well, yeah, yeah, he was on... Uh, oh, God, what was it? I know what you're talking about, the afternoon show. Yeah. And he was also on... Uh,
0: wasn't it uh, uh,
2: Real People, or That's Incredible, or Something, one of those one of the, I think I it was on know. one of
0: those. I think it was on one of those, yeah. I want to say That's Incredible, but I... I, I um... I don't remember, but but yeah, that that was no. I remember that because like I was like Night Gallery. Oh, it's Rod Serling. I love it. And every time I'd watch it, it was just Gary Collins doing some stuff.
2: Yeah, That's that really already bummed I me expected, out when
0: it was one of those episodes. I was expecting <laughs> because because yeah, they had to get it up to the the hundred episodes, and so they threw in all those six. But yeah, I th- I think as far as straight up horror goes, you're I think you're right. This is the first one I can really think of.
2: Yeah,
0: that does this, and I would say. To, to round out the Nightly Murders, it's doing a pretty beautiful job, 18 episodes in. So we, yeah. we only have we only have two left, the Youth Killer and the Sentry. And I don't really remember much about either. Uh, so that's great. So that'll be fun when we do that. Do, do you have anything else on the Nightly Murders?
2: Um, other than the fact, well, I mean, uh, Jeff Donnell has a small role in this, and I, I, I always liked her. She was... You know, an actress in the in the 40s and stuff, but she doesn't. I don't remember <laughs> uh, much about uh, other her stuff other than the one movie I really remember her being in was The Boogeyman Will Get You.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, with yeah, Boris Karloff and Peter yep, Lorre. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah. She was
2: a good comedic
0: actress. Mm-mm. Um, so I'm, let me let me check my notes. I don't think I have anything else on this one. I th- I think it's I think it's another. In, in a run of good quite good to very darn good episodes of the show. I don't I don't really think the show's let us down in, in, in a bunch of episodes, really.
2: Yeah, it's been a pretty good stretch actually.
0: Yeah, so 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 the nightly murders, we had a killer night, a ghost night, which is um which is a fun night. So 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 Tim, what <laughs> what wh- where where are you? Are you alright? No, where where what's <laughs> what's What's what are you up to? That often. What's what's going on whenever this episode is going out? Um let's say <laughs> let's say um uh mid May twenty twenty two. What are you doing?
2: Mid May. Well hmm. uh you know uh, mm. <laughs> 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 you, you totally threw me with how how are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh you know i uh it I hurts it pounds. hurts uh, yeah my hair hurts yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well uh you can find me and my co-host uh, kelly hogaboom hey. on our podcast beauty the beast and the bees uh we discuss bee films and genre films and um, I'm not sure by the time this airs what we're going to be covering. I think we're going to be covering uh, the new Doctor Strange film. Oh, nice. At, at minimum, I think we're covering that. Uh, as far as the other two things are, I'm not sure I have a really bad feeling about what she's going to pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it, it, it'll, whatever it is, it'll be a lot of fun.
0: Awesome. Hey! So that was the nightly murders. Uh, next up is the youth killer. Next up here is this. <coughs> Legends Are Forever, directed by Virgil Vogel. Uh, story by Milt Rosen, teleplay by Milt Rosen and Ruben Leader and Donald P. Belsario. This one aired October 20th, 1982. And this one, uh, Jake uh, meets up with an old friend who... Um, he's gotten to uh, wacky adventures with in the past and his old friend convinces him to uh, transport uh, medical supplies to an African tribe who have been stricken with malaria. Uh, There may be treasure involved. Also, rope bridges. Kristen and myself are on the other side of this. Legends are Forever, the fourth episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey, and I have here with me, as always, uh, my co host for this one, the great Kristen Haas, a.k.a. Kiki, writes Kristen, how are you?
3: I'm feeling rather legendary. How
0: are you, Dan? Nice. I'm, feel, I'm feeling, yeah. I'm. Yeah. You know what, Kristen? I'm going to kill you if this does. No, I forget. What does he say <laughs> <laughs> the episode? He's
3: like, oh, if we get out of this.
0: If we get out, out of this, you? I'm going to kill you. At the end of this episode, I'm going to kill you. Uh, no, I'm not really. That's a joke, folks. And I don't want this to be used against me should something happen. No, I'm not saying anything's going to happen. No, stop. Gosh. I hate social media. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, so, 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 Chris, we've got Legends Are Forever. We've got um, an old friend of, of, of the guys has shown up. And, uh, and I, I will say this. I think this episode, unlike the last one, I think this episode was only written by four people. So it's probably not going to be as good. Or maybe three. I'm sorry, was it three? Three. It was, three. it was three. Sorry, three. So this one may not be as good as the last one or may not have as much stuff going. I like the, I like the concept that m- the more people we have writing, the more things will happen in the episode. So bring in more people. I've got 12 people on this one. Fantastic. Um, so, so what did you think of Legends uh, Forever uh, Forever?
3: Well... You know what? I knew it was going to be an episode that I kind of liked because there's a rickety ass rope bridge, and that always spells shenanigans. Yes. Someone's always going to be dangling from it, yes. so you knew that just getting to that point, it was going to be a good time. Um, and it's it's a pretty okay episode. I kind of like it. Um, uh, what's his name? Gandhi Dancer, which is a great name. Yes. And um, he's, you know, Jake's friend who is so fixated on treasures that he keeps getting them into these terrible situations trying to find treasure and it's, he's overall he seems like kind of a real crap friend I would not <laughs> hang out with him as much yes, as yes. Jake seems to, yeah. but uh, it, it's a nice adventure episode because the whole time uh, Jake is telling everybody he's got something else going he's not telling the truth, he's pulling a con about getting these malaria drugs to these people and he, everybody kind of discounts Jake and he turns out to be kind of right it's odd yeah, mm-hmm. so yeah I, it's a pretty okay episode I enjoy it what do you think?
0: yeah I, I um, so far of the of the first three hour long ones this is my favorite of them so far I think because this is the one that actually I think lives up to like the adventure I mean the last one was a weird hodgepodge the the one before that was fun but took forever to get to the adventure. This one gets you to the adventure about halfway in I uh, does something about 30 minutes in that you that I didn't expect and that actually they carry through on which we'll talk about uh, which I'm sure we'll talk about uh, which I, I thought was rather brave storytelling I mean not like brave like they you know you know it's not like Watergate you know it's not you mm-hmm. know or something like that you know that kind of brave but but you know it's like oh wow okay they they they, they carried that out to the ending. And there's a lot of great stuff on islands. There are a lot of cool sets. There is um, some fun stuff with the airplane. There's some. Uh, it's it's it's. I th- I think I think in general this this is um sort of in my mind when I think of the show. This is kind of what I think the show is. And I also think that the show will probably improve on stuff like this from here. I could be wrong. But I think uh, that's just in my mind, and I um I the uh, I forgot what I was talking about. Oh no, no, um I, I I was I was actually going to say that the the reason you can tell it's going to be fun, you have already said it has a big rope bridge that's hundreds of feet over a little bit of water, winding around kind of thing. The moment there's a rope, I love a rope bridge so much. I mean, this is what two years before. Year and a half before Temple of Doom,
2: mm-hmm. when we
0: get one of the ultimate rope bridge scenes in in cinema history, uh, but here they have fun on the rope bridge. I think I don't think it occurred to anyone yet that you can break the rope bridge and have it fall and craziness go on like in Temple of Doom. I th- I think the rope bridge is a sacrosanct thing that you have to keep there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you know because it would never have occurred to the Watusi who are like, hey, wait a minute, we have a back way out. We don't need this rope bridge. Cut the rope bridge. Let it go. You know they could sit there shooting darts at us all day long if the rope bridge ain't there. Good luck, brother. It ain't <laughs> happening. But but it's like it's funny. It's because I thought that too when I saw when I saw the rope bridge and I saw the the entrance to the cave and everything. I thought this is this is the classic your thirties your forties adventure film stuff and this is this is um, well, serial style stuff. And um, this is this is I mean, I think um, I, I would prefer maybe if they could get like one person or maybe two people in to write the scripts rather than a gang of people. <laughs> I just just because I think at the end of the day, you know, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day I'm not, I'm not gonna do one of the things I always do where I name someone who wrote a lot lot of something Shakespeare those plays, he wrote them mostly all by himself. I think the last one or two he got help on. Remember him? He wrote all these plays? Um, but I, I just think I just think um, I that I the, the the one problem I had is that the guy he, you're right, his friend I did find him kind of a crap friend and a bit annoying until the thing happens about a half an hour in. Yes. And then at that point, it it shifts and because you know what's going to happen, but I didn't think it was going to happen. I thought they were going to pull a fast one on us and make us all, you know, it's you know, this is eight to nine o'clock on a when, when did this air Tuesday night Wednesday night I I, I need to look I it don't up know. Yeah, uh, whenever it was it air. you know. But it's like you don't want to go into you know you don't want a tragic moment as you go into nine o'clock because who knows what you're going to watch next. Uh, but but there's sort of well I I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it's it's an episode that yeah of the. I didn't like it as much as the last half hour of the pilot when they go to the island with the crazy apes and things on it but overall I thought it was pretty darn good and I'd like to think that from here it can get better um, so, so I, I, I give this one a thumbs up over the last two um, but, uh, but let's look what else we got what else do we have oh um, may, may I just say I just realized yes. I forgot Ye- yellow Ro- he plays yellow rose of Texas on his yes. uh, his harmonica which is always fun to hear and the two to two things about that is that when, when they cut to the whole gang Sarah and Corky and everyone singing yellow yellow rose of Texas along with him they're like on verse three or something like that I don't know where they are you know so I yellow rose of Texas to me the other Half as much as me, ba, ba, ba. And, like, they're on, like, the third verse. It's like, and they're, they're like, singing. They're like, what is this part of the Yellow Rose of Texas? Who knows the Yellow Rose of Texas that well? Everyone on this island. And I I quite enjoy that they they get they love They love adventures, but you know what they love more than adventures? A good sing song. So let's all dive in. And the second thing is that I promise you, Adventure Super Train listeners, I will be covering the single-season Dallas um, derivative from the early 80s, The Yellow Rose, which is a show I really love, and I watched on Warner Archive back, instant back when it was on. It was a one-season show. Sybil Shepherd, Sam Elliott, um, David Soule, uh, Edward Albert, uh, Chuck Connors, and I forget who else was on it, but it's basically a soap opera. It was a, it was a soap opera that only lasted one season, but it was called The Yellow Rose. And whenever I hear Yellow Rose of Texas, I think I need to cover that show on this podcast. So I'll stop talking about that now, Kristen. What else do you have? <laughs> and you could join me, yeah. Kristen. Maybe maybe if you're interested, when, when we get this done, if you want to join me for some uh, Yellow Rose, it's you know, fun,
3: I've it's never fun. I've never seen it. So. It's a,
0: it's a fun. It it might, does something might very be something interesting. to consider. It it is fun. It's it's out on DVD, and it's it's a fun it's a it's a fun it's a fun uh, uh, Dallas style um, uh, soap opera, but with sort of a cast that's like oh yeah oh yeah oh yeah kind of thing. I just like the idea of Chuck Connors being in a soap opera. He's the that, bad guy. That, he's awesome. Well, he's,
3: uh, he and his toupee are the bad guy. That yeah. that's great.
0: That's yeah. It's he's sort of like George Kennedy when George Kennedy was in Dallas. He's kind of like this <gasps> evil guy who's near them and is trying to cause trouble, kind of. Thing.
3: Now I'm wondering if Chuck Connors and George Kennedy were ever in a movie together. Oh, I God, hope they so. must have
0: been, right?
3: Because that that would be glorious. Wow, I was going to say,
0: was there like an a, a, an Italian or Spanish airport ripoff? Maybe that they <laughs> were in together. <laughs> <Air> Puerto '78. <78. laughs>
3: I would watch the shit out of that. I
0: would, I would buy that in every conceivable home video format.
3: Yes, yes, I would. <laughs>
0: So Legends are. I'm sorry. What what else do you have about Legends
3: Yeah, of we should probably talk about the episode. Um, yes. Can, okay, can we just mention real quick that the this show, because it's an adventure show, they use a lot of uh, like the rear projection green screen type it. thing. Yeah. It's going to be, I feel for me, like Day for Night was for us in the Green Hornet, when we were covering Green Hornet. Oh, That's yeah. what this rear projection green screen
0: yes, is
3: going to be really for I me. By it. the end of this series... I'm going to have a twitch whenever anyone uses it yeah yeah
0: yeah because
3: it's there's a lot of it in this episode particularly with the rope bridge
0: yes and and i would i would i would like to say that maybe if we weren't watching it on modern day tvs it would have looked better but i'm pretty certain from like age three i could spot rear screen projection on things and you could spot pretty quick you know like um you know, like uh, they they aren't on a real rope bridge, hundreds of feet above the ground. But you know, like Harold Lloyd was hanging off a real building and that clock. You know, and you you can tell, you can tell, and it's it's funny because the the rear screen, you got to use that sparingly. You can't you can't point the camera at the bridge and have the rear screen behind it and have a whole action scene happen, because people are going to say. Uh, they're like seven feet off the ground, and uh, <laughs> and you you really have to it, it's it's a str- it's a struggle to um uh, just uh, 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 let your imagination uh, deal with it. You know, it's like oh, I'm trying hard, but I thought there were some moments in this that I thought were pretty good.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: I think uh, the, the moment where the guy gets hit with the gets hit with the dart and he drops and he's hanging like from the from the bridge, I knew he wasn't... I, I knew that was... Re- but f- rear screen projection, but for a moment there, I was like, ooh, that's a nice little hanging yeah. from something's done. There's
3: there's some peril right there. Yes,
0: yes. I guess, yeah, you're right. That's, that's the thing that's missing when they focus too much on the rear screen is the actual peril. Yeah. It's almost like you wish you were reading a book instead so that in your mind you could say, he hung from the bridge, and in your mind... He's hanging from that bridge, but for real, he's in the back lot and Warner Brothers or whatever, like seven feet off the ground. There's a mattress there. Yeah. And, and
3: they say, they say show don't tell, but in this case, you could have just told me because <laughs> it probably would have been a little better.
0: I mean, I think the initial the initial moment, like again, we love rope bridges here. We do. We are, we are not putting down rope bridges, but you see, initially you see, you're like yes. But there are there, there is a bit too much lingering on the, the rear screen projection, which is too bad. Yeah
3: <sighs> It detracts from the, the rope bridge greatness.
0: Yes, yes. because you, you can you can do do your angles. I mean they, they have some I mean part of it's tricky too because occasionally they'll do an angle where you're like, well, you could only get that angle if you were about 10 feet off the ground. You know, and, and it's like, it's, 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 um, I think, cause I think there's like a, there's like a really great, like, crane shot where the camera's like going along the rope bridge and then it goes up in the air and then kind of arcs over the top of the cave and you can see like, um, the Watusi King guy and, and the others kind of standing there. And you're like, that's a lovely shot, but you'd never get that if you were a hundred feet in the air on a rope bridge. Because I think it would be just too damn dangerous to yeah. do, and 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 some of it's—I mean—that's the thing. It's a TV show, too, folks. We we get that, so so we, we know this doesn't have the budget of Temple of Doom, you know, like when we say it. Uh, yeah. So what else? Oh, I'm sorry. Oh uh, no, um, uh, I th- I go was, ahead. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I think the thing with Corky that I realize in 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 this one is I I was um. This, since this is an '80s show, I, I sort of put him in my mind as being like sort of '80s comic relief. But when you look at Corky as being sort of a '30s, '40s, '50s kind of comic relief guy, he's perfect. He slots yes. in there. I was actually going to think of, and this is a show, This isn't a movie where the comic relief is particularly loved, but I was thinking of uh, Lost Continent with Cesar Romero and Hugh oh, Beaumont, God. and it's uh, it was on an Shit. episode of uh, MST.
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I it's think been it's a while rock since climbing. I've
0: seen that one. Yeah, rock climbing, and the the um uh and the uh, the comic relief in that they call him Little Monkey Boy is Sid Melton, <laughs> and Sid Sid Melton when he's left to his own devices he hams it up to beat the band whether it's Make Room for Daddy or in Lost Content or whatever on Green Acres where I know him best he actually is subdued but kind of crazier. Than he is elsewhere, but I was thinking of I was thinking of Lost Continent and Sid Mountain today. I thought this is kind of the um, the Corky realm of the comic relief. Except I, I like Corky more <laughs> than some of those, and, and I think they they develop him better. And so, but that that's it, in part of my mind. I was like, I don't get this character. And then suddenly, when I thought, oh wait a minute, I should not not only is it set in this time period, but I should put my mind in the comic relief of that time period. And now I got it.
3: Yeah, yeah, and he, he's definitely quite lovable. Yes, in in his comic relief is because he is funny, and he he and Jack together are a great duo because they're left to guard the goose, mm-hmm. and
0: that's and a them, great scene.
3: Yeah, them guarding the goose, and they get attacked by the a rival tribesmen
0: mm-hmm.
3: and scare him off with, with the, by starting the engines Yes. of the, of the plane. And he's in there like flipping out.
0: <laughs> yes. The engines. They get scared of the engines. And-
3: it's it's really great. Cause it's like, I don't know. It's just, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Just the whole thing Because first. He's like, we got to get out of here. We'll come back for, for Jake later. Cause we have to get out of here. Yes. And he's like, there's one like on the windshield. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they're of like, the it's, plane. Uh, and yeah. he's
3: like, he screams,
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
3: then he starts the engines, and it scares them all off. And he's like doing victory screeches. It was, it's yeah. just, the whole scene is just funny.
0: Yeah, and the, and then when uh, when Jake shows up a little later, having snuck out of the sort of the back door of the Watusi village. And he shows up, and both Corky and Jake are, uh, Jack are just like snoozing on top yeah. of the plate. He's like, "What are you doing? What's going on? You're supposed to be watching the plate." He's like, "No, no, they're scared." of the... That was a nice. That was a nice bit because that I think that scene is pretty nicely done because yeah. you just see you you because um because um, you know uh, Jack, do you see something? Woof woof. And then you look out, and for a second you don't see anything, and then you see the reeds sticking out of the water. Yeah. You're like, Oh, boy. And then when he sh- they shoot at the water, suddenly all these guys rise up, and it's, it's a nicely done scene. And then just the moment he hits the engine, that scares him, and that's nice.
3: Well, and it's an unexpected fight scene, too, because you don't expect Quirky to shoot at him. You don't expect him to, like, use his rifle as a bat and knock one of them off. And you don't expect Jack, he gets one guy. He bites yes! him and makes him fall mm-hmm. off of the plane. And it's like yes. it's a full-on – they treat Jack a lot of the times like he's people. Yes. So he has dialogue, and he has he's doing a fight scene.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I love that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's Corky, I, Corky
3: and Jack are my two favorites.
0: They, and and that to to me, was the 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 moments where I was like, come on, come on! Moments uh, suspense wise was where um, where um, uh, uh, Corky drops into the hatch, and you can see like on the corner of the frame, like a guy's crawling up towards them. Like you can see, like a hand, like someone's approaching, and like Jack isn't quite there, and he like grabs Jack and says, "Come on!" and he goes to pull over the hatch, and I'm like, "Come on, get in there, get in there!" and he pulls the hatch, and I'm like, "Oh, phew." Okay, phew. All right. Um, yeah, it's um, I I think there's there's um, you know, the the the, the 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 rear screen projection aside, there's a lot to love in this episode. I think I I do like that set that they go when they go to the the back room. Wherever that kind of set with like the bamboo bridges and things. Cause you don't see it yeah. for long, but it's like, Oh, that's cool. Um, that's yeah. kind of these cool sets. Yeah. Uh, oh, and actually I have written here. I love the sets. <laughs> right, well, there you have it. Uh, what else do you have? I'm going to do a scan.
3: Um, I like, well, cause so we have like a flashback at the beginning. So we get to know who mm-hmm. Gandy dancer is and we find out that he's treasure obsessed and, Duplicitous in many ways, and makes Jake jump out of the plane with Jack yes. in his jacket, which was very stressful. I mean, mm. you know they're going to be okay, but that, Jack deserves better than that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. about Jake sometimes, <laughs> but then he, when he shows up at the monkey bar, and they um, get reacquainted by having a brawl,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and
3: beating the crap at each other all over the place. <laughs> there's Louie and Gushy keeping oh, a yes. running tab of the damages. <laughs>
0: That was good. yeah.
3: I loved that.
0: Yeah, that was... <laughs>
3: and Corky trying to remember if this fight was better than the best fight that they had ever had, but he couldn't remember where it was. Where
0: the best fight was.
3: <laughs> and then at the very end, both of the guys were like, it was at Shanghai. And he goes, no, it was somewhere else. He comes up with some other place, and they're like, we were never there. And he goes, mm. I could have sworn it was you guys.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a fun... That has a fun sort of... Um... Indiana Jonesy type uh, uh, vibe to it, like the the breaking into the fight and everything like that, and and, uh, and it, it's fun to see like when um, uh, 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 Jake gets picked up and put on the bar and slid across the bar. It's the actor, it's not a stunt man. You can see it's him doing it. Like uh, I'm like, oh, that must have been fun. I would think <laughs> like if you grew up watching westerns or anything, being you know e- either one having someone slide a, a mug. Along a bar to you so you can catch it, or being slid across a bar into something has to be um has to be on the on the bucket list. I would. Oh, think.
3: I would think so. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely.
0: Uh, let's see. Uh, what else do I have here? Um. Uh. Oh, oh. I guess I'll talk about the um the uh the thing the thing that I really liked was that um uh Mr. 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 Uh, uh, Gandhi there or um Gandhi I, it's, Gandhi. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I knew I'd say his name wrong. I, I had it written here, and I knew I'd do that. He uh, he gets 20, 29 minutes in, he gets hit with the, the, the darts, one of the darts from the other tribe. And over the next, what, 18, 19 minutes, he slowly dies. Yeah. Because, well,
3: and it's great, too, because when Louis is treating him, he goes, we'll see if I got to it in time. So mm-hmm. there's that little glimmer of maybe Louis did the thing? Yes. But you watch him progressively get weaker for the rest of the yeah. episode. Oh, that that's really good. That was that was, that was a little surprising.
0: I, I yeah, I really did I I thought what was going to happen was right when you thought he died, he was suddenly going to open his eyes and like, "What?" and 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 Jake was going to be like, "I'm going to kill you." I mm-hmm. thought that's was that's what was going to happen, but but they didn't. He, it, it ends with Jake because um, he believes that, um, uh, um, uh, uh, I'm not going to say his name because I'll get it wrong again, but his his buddy believes that um, uh, King Solomon's uh, treasure is hidden in the mountain. And as he's dying, um, he asks Jake if he saw the treasure. And Jake says, yes, I did. You were right. It was gorgeous. It was wonderful. And, and he dies with a smile on his face. Yeah and it's sort of, sort of, he, he spent his whole life going after these, le- he's after Shangri-La in the opening and he wound up in the remake from 1973, oh no <laughs> instead of the Frank Capra one, of course George Kennedy is in that one, oh, so huh. so that's something to shoot for, but the song that, That's
3: your good. treasure
0: Yes, exactly, exactly, that's your treasure You wind up uh, wind up there Sally Kellerman and, and everybody else um, but uh but, but, yeah, that, that's a lovely moment. And I I honestly thought until they cut to the next scene, I thought he was going to come back to life.
3: Yeah, I almost expected it to be him pulling a, a cotton. Because in the first part of it, because it, Jake and Jack jump out, and Gandhi is supposed to jump out after them, and he doesn't. He ends up ditching it and yes. going down with it. So there's that doubt of whether or not he's alive. So you've kind of figured that maybe, yes, he'd pretend to be dead and no he's alive but instead no we get a very poignant moment of Jake lying to him and saying yeah I saw yeah. this gold and everything because it turns out he he was doing this under the guise of the fact that, that this tribe needed malaria medicine mm-hmm. and everybody believed him but Jake wasn't for sure, and then they get there, and they're actually delivering the drugs. The tribesmen are actually sick, sick, and so he was actually doing it, but he did have the slight ulterior motive of, if I get into this cave, I can see where King Solomon's treasure is, so he did have the ulterior motive, but he still was doing an altruistic...
0: Mission. Yes, yes. And and the thi- the thing I love about his talk of the legends is they're from like you you've read H. Ryder Haggard, you know. And at first <laughs> I thought it was gonna be she. I thought it was gonna be like we're expecting to see like um a beautiful white woman sitting on the throne or something like that. But then I thought that might be a little too weird for this. But then it became King Solomon's minds. But at, and at the beginning it be it's um it's a Lost Horizon you know based off of I forget who wrote the novel the the novel but it's like he the, so I love that it's like he's read the books and he goes like, hmm okay you know I'm surprised he hasn't read like the Iliad or the Odyssey or something and he's going to Greece you know and, and but but I I like that he his his basis of where you know the legends are based on truth and and I like that they're based on sort of the books and and almost maybe hey, hey, you know, maybe if I was a kid and I saw this episode, I would have gone, hey, who's this guy? Can I read one of these books? Or what's this? I don't know. Um, but it's... Uh, the, the the I think the, 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 the director overuses the rear screen projection, but for the final moments of the episode, I think he shoots it perfectly. When everyone he's passed... Uh, uh, and um and he had a child he had a daughter apparently he has a daughter and there's just this great scene where they're all sitting in the, the tavern there the the bar and they're all sitting there talking about the daughter and sending her money and they all want to send money and they're talking about him and the episode ends and the camera just like starts outside the bar as they're talking and slowly kind of tracks up to the um the saloon style doors, and one of them's half open, and the camera just kind of stops in the half open door, and you can see everyone slightly in the distance in a long shot just talking. And it's really kind of a lovely moment. You think maybe this director should have been called in for a more, um, less rear screen projection y episode because yeah. he nailed that scene perfectly, I think.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was a great ending because, mm. um, the, the king, the king of that tribe that had recruited them. Um, paid them oh, in yes. uncut diamonds yes. and there's like that sparkle of speculation like wait maybe Gandhi was right yes
0: yeah <laughs> which was a
3: great way to end it
0: I yeah, thought. it was it was it was nice yeah it was I, I yeah I think I think this is uh, if, if you can get over the if you can deal with the rear screen projection then I think it's a fun adventure episode and it's, it's And it does have that sort of ticking clock thing. Once he gets hit with the dart, you think, okay, what's that going to do? And then when it's sort of explained, like, uh, we should, should be okay, I think we got it all. And you're like, is he going to die? And then that goes, that's through your back of, back of your mind the whole time. Even when there's fun comedy going on and i think it's i think it was a nice touch i think if they if they hadn't had that in the second half of the episode it would i wouldn't have liked it as much it would have been just like ah this is okay but to have this guy who's kind of a jerk uh sort of die with a smile on his face thinking he's in his mind feeling that he'd achieved something big is is kind of lovely actually and i, I wasn't expecting it so Anything else on this one? Yeah.
3: Yeah, you kind of spend the whole time thinking that this goofball is going to get them into more and more trouble. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like he'll You're be back in three that,
0: episodes or something like it.
3: Yeah, cuz you know, there's like the whole he goads Jake into landing into this really small lagoon and yeah, which yeah. <laughs> the crash landing or the the tough landing was really kind of funny because they said, "Oh, everybody needs to strap in." And like Louie is like Oh god and Corky is like scrambling to basically tighten himself in because they understand what this means.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: and then when they they land and Jake's or Jack's upside down.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. The
3: dog is. <laughs> it was a great. So you had that goofballery almost and then you yes. know Louie talking about climbing Mount Everest with
0: Oh yeah, yeah.
3: Um Mallory was it,
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah, and he didn't come down. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so you have that those little moments and then it like turns once he gets hit with that dart and it becomes something else. It Now that I'm thinking about it, I think I like this episode more than I said. I think it's a better <laughs> episode than I said at the beginning. I
0: think I, I think, think I I think you see rope bridge and then you th- you worry how they're going to handle it. And they do overdo the rear-screen projection on it. So you you, you really have yeah. to suspend disbelief. And at times you have to, especially during the final scene, I think you have to suspend a little bit more than you're yeah. capable of, unfortunately.
3: And, yeah. And it's actually because it sets up the precedent that they're scared of the plane. So naturally you buzz the bridge, it's going to scare them. Yes. And so the, the concept of it is very good narratively. The execution of it visually is not the
0: best. Not yeah, it's, but it's,
3: we we get the spirit of it.
0: Yes, exactly, exactly. I th- uh, yeah, we can we can work with it. We can work with it, folks. So um, so I think <laughs> um, do you have anything else?
3: Um, just my little bit of trivia, and that is that William Lucking was in the episode Magnum PI episode Birds of a Feather, and he also played a pilot that was oh. kind of a annoying goof.
0: So, there you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, yay. So I th- I think I mean, I think To Me Legends Are Forever is uh, of now we got a lot of episodes to go, but of the non-pilot ones, this is my favorite so far. This is this is what I thought the show would be. Um, possibly with rear screen projection included. <laughs> so, so I'll leave it at that. And any 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 last thoughts on the episode or just your
3: no, I think you yeah. talked me into liking it a little better than I do. I'm still kind of like, it's still even for me with Shanghai, but that's just because it's corky and peril in oh, Shanghai, sure. and yeah, we know yeah. how much of I love course, that. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, yeah. So, so, so let's, uh, where can we find you online?
3: You can find me at aka KikiWrites.com. It is the home of my podcast. Welcome, Dan Dano on old Hawaii Five-O podcast. You can also check out my blog, KikiWritesAbout.com. Check out my Patreon. You should totally become a patron. And yes. if you if you want to listen to me or read me, I guess, going on <laughs> and on about rear projection in real time, you can do that by following me on Twitter at
0: KikiWrites. Excellent. So that was Legends Are Forever, and I honestly, I have no idea because I haven't watched the show since i was a kid i have no idea what episode is next let me have a quick look um escape from death island wow death island don't i remember go there. the death island part don't go there. <laughs> that's like that's almost sounds like a get smart episode or something like like max and i <laughs> nine white up they accidentally go to death island i'd like to see where this one on goes on vacation yeah exactly like after they got married like on their honeymoon they went to death island um so, I will uh, thank you again, Kristen, so much uh, for joining me. Oh, thanks um, for having me. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be back again uh, to uh, go to Death Island. And next up. All right, everyone. That was episode 126 of Eventually Superdrained. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll be back next time with uh, more of everything. But we are, like, like I said, we are getting near the end. Of ColdChack, we only got two episodes left, which is too bad. I wish, uh, you know, either the they were supposed to have made like twenty three or twenty four or twenty six episodes or something like that. But Darren McGann put a stop to it because he was sick to death of it. So we're quite enjoying it though. Anyway, where can you find us online? Uh, at eSuperTrain1 on Twitter, just the Super Train on Facebook. You can email e- email email me at you do whatever you want at Danny Slacks at yahoo.com and uh, eventually supertrain. is the uh, address of the web address of the blog and uh, that's about it really so I guess uh, let's 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 play out uh, be good yourselves everyone until the next time uh, we speak and uh, we'll play out with a little bit of this your love life got you down did your wife kick you out you just feel lonely Wendy Hewitt's here for you with advice answers shoulder to cry on coming up next on koxo the heart of bay city we've routed the phone lines through the cobra control
2: center we're set up there to trace any call to its point of origin the important thing is to keep tyler on the line long enough to capture him i can keep him on all day and then what scandals in the middle of bay city waiting for dallas to tell him where the call's coming from (sighs)
0: sounds so easy
2: well let's hope it is can you hear me dallas
1: just like he was standing here, whispered in my ear. Scandal. Ow! My ear. You can feel the heat radiating off her body.
3: She's so close, you can't tell if the sweat on your skin is hers or yours. That's what it's all about on a day like this. Hello, Dan. Tell me why you feel alone today. Because I am alone.
2: I don't have friends. You won't talk to me. I don't even get junk. Baby.
0: You threw her cat out of an 11th floor window and you wonder why she left you?
3: Get a clue, Jack.
1: This
3: is Wendy Hewitt talking just to you on KOXO,
0: the station that knows how you feel. I'll be here for you right after this.